Hello everyone and welcome to the Africa Museum podcast, the podcast channel for the Royal Museum for Central Africa in Belgium. My name is Gabrielle Fenton and for this series I've been walking around the museum's labs, offices and archives to meet with scientists who work here. Each scientist had to choose one object that is somehow related to their research. It could be an object that they have worked on or with, or an object that simply carries a bit of their passion for their field. Some of these objects are on display in the museum, others belong to the nitty-gritty of everyday research. All of these objects have an interesting story, and that is what we are out to find out. Growing up to 60 metres tall, a tree called Aphromosia is one of the tallest trees in the Congolese rainforest. Why is this timber species so popular in Europe and China? And when does heavy international trade become detrimental to a tree species? In this episode, we discover what scientists can do to protect endangered species with Nils Borland, who is an expert in sustainable forest management. Museum podcast. So we're here at the museum on a sunny afternoon and we're meeting with Nils Borland. Hello Nils. Hello. So Nils, you're a wood biologist here at the museum and um, the, the object that you've chosen to speak with us is one which is ex- exhibited in the museum and it's a log It's a big log that's about uh, one cubic meter. It's about half a a meter's length. And so do you know how heavy this log is about? Oh, yes, it should be around uh, one ton. One ton? Yeah, maybe a little bit less, but close to one ton. Okay. And so can you um, first tell us what, what tree species it's from? And I hear there's quite an extravagant story behind this tr- log making it to the museum. Can you briefly tell us that, that story? Yeah, the name, so the species is Perecopsis elata. So this is the scientific name. But it is traded under the um, uh, Aphromosia if, it's, uh, if it comes from the Asi, for instance, or Asamela if it comes from uh, Cameroon. So those are the trade name, let's say. And uh, the story behind that is that this species is a flagship species in tropical Africa. And the museum is invested, I mean, invested time for, for I don't know, for years, uh, working on this species, on the management of this species, on the sustainability of the trade in this species. So uh, that's the reason why, I mean, we decided to bring this species to be uh, on display here in uh, the museum. And uh, the story was that uh, we decided to have a piece of this species and we decided to have a log of it because the, the log can be really impressive, it can be really big, it's quite uh, ten, more than 10 cubic meters, uh, even 20 sometimes. It can be really, really impressive. And so we decided at the time to collect this, uh, to go and to, to go to Africa to select a standing tree um with a logging company and uh yes to to make it uh, available for the museum mm-hmm. and uh first of all we had to meet a challenge first challenge was to decide where and with which partner uh a logging company okay fine but 
it's not easy to find a logging company uh, which is really and truly involved in uh, sustainable management. Mm -hmm. uh, not all of them are, are, I mean, into that. So we could find one, uh, Compagnie Forestière et de Transformation. They are quite active. Uh, they are operating uh, close to Kisangani in the DRC. And it was really interesting because this is the main, um, I mean, the main forest uh, where the species occurs. Uh, the, those forests are, I mean, just around Kisangani. So that was really, really good. And I could go, uh, I, I had a very good contact with them. I, they, they allowed me to enter the, the concession to select the standing tree, to assist to all the steps coming from the, the, the cutting of the tree, the, I mean, um, yeah, the felling of the tree and uh, then uh, every all steps you can imagine, bringing the, the, the locks to the road, then uh, loading the, the locks on the truck, bringing it to the Congo River, putting mm -hmm. it on a ship, bringing it to Kinshasa and then to Matadi and then, and then, and then to Belgium. So, uh, but the log was too heavy, uh, definitely was too large, too big, too heavy to be on display in the new museum. And so we decided to keep only one ton of it, okay. which means more or less one cubic meter. It's one. A little bit and the original one was how long? Oh, it was uh, something like 13 cubic meters, as far as I remember. And it, it, the, the, the log was uh, almost 12 meters long. Wow. Yeah, it was that's, quite big. That's impressive. Exactly. And the remaining of this log went uh, to the botanical garden uh, maze okay. uh, for the new wood museum. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so if, if we look at this particular log, you as a, as a wood biologist, is there any characteristics of this log that mean that you know that it's from this species instead of from uh, an, another species? Okay, so actually I'm not a wood biologist. I work for the Wood Biology Service, but I'm much more into uh, forest management. Okay. Uh, but as, as a manager of, of those forests, I can uh, identify really easily uh, the, the standing trees because yeah. the bark is completely uh, specific. I mean, the design, okay. the colors, everything. It looks like a, a, a leopard, uh, the skin of a, this, this kind of animal. So you have spots of colors uh, like this. It's really, really easy. Now, uh, when I have to see a log and I have to decide whether this is the species or not, if some uh, bark remains, then it mm -hmm. helps me. Otherwise, indeed, uh, the color of, of the wood can help. Uh, and also some characteristics of this uh, sub-wood area. Uh, I, I have some tricks, but I mean, uh, there are but some you definitely know when you look at this, you know for sure this yes, is what it is. Because I'm used to that. Because you're used uh, to it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, as uh, I mean, my colleagues who are really sp specialists in wood biology, in wood anatomy, uh, they have some features, features to have a look at, and uh, they, are, they are really specific. There's no doubt. Yeah. It's. I mean, for some species you have doubts, but not for this species. And so when this species, so when you went to find this this particular one. Uh, so it was uh, what, like 11, 11 meters tall, and that's about the size that they they all are uh, when they're full size. So actually, you have to know that this was the the length this yeah. of the log. Okay. So only a part of the trunk, if, okay. if you want. But it's a very tall tree. It's one of the tallest trees yeah. in this kind of uh, deciduous um, or semi-deciduous rainforest. Yeah. Uh, that's really uh, the place where it occurs. 
and you have to have a lot of rain. So rainforest, I said it. And it's, it's a canopy tree. So, I mean, it's really a dominant tree at the latest, latest, latest uh, development stages. It reaches the canopy and even it dominates the canopy. So it can go up to 60 meters tall. Wow. I mean, to the total height. Yeah. Uh, 50 meters, it's really common. I mean, 45, 50 meters and even, even more than that. And, but the diameter, you have to know that it, it is, it doesn't reach such very, very, I mean, big diameters like other species in this in those forests it dies uh, the senescence occurs more or less when the tree reaches 170 centimeters dbh okay. diameter breast height okay and uh, you have other trees you can go up to, to four or five meters diameter so it's yeah. not that that, be, that, that big that, but, but okay. it, it goes high but really. it's very tall yeah. and it's really yeah. light demanding this is also okay. something that's really important. Important, yeah. Okay. So one of the reasons uh, why you've uh, chosen to talk to us about this log today um, is because uh, this tree is currently being heavily logged for trade and is uh, on the CITES Appendix 2 list. Uh, did I pronounce CITES right? Yeah. Is that how you pronounce <laughs> it? Yeah? You did well. Okay. Yeah. So CITES stands for the Convention for International Trade in Endangered Species of uh, Wild Fauna and Flora. Indeed. So it's it's endangered. Um, so how how does a tree get onto the appendix two list? As in, like how endangered must a, a tree species be in order to be on the appendix two list? Okay, the first criteria that you have to 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 be aware of is that if there is international trade involved or not. I mean, if if the the wood is just used locally or i mean such as like firewood or firewood or i don't know for constrictions for villages yeah. for instance and you you do not export it i mean it doesn't cross the border then um i mean if it's only a national use of the the the, the wood it doesn't regard i mean it has nothing to do with society society only focuses on what is this convention focuses on what is going on when you have international trade and uh, so this is the first thing. And the second thing is, how is this population, I mean, the target population going on? If you, if you, I mean, if you export wood, this means that you are felling trees in the forest. Mm -hmm. And so you are damaging or you are harvesting some mm -hmm. individuals in the population. And you have to be, you have to understand how far you are uh, putting pressure uh, I mean, in terms of uh, survival of this population, if you have, you have to imagine if you have a very big population with so many individuals and you just collect a little bit, it's obvious that the trade won't be detrimental to the to the population. But when when it comes, uh, I mean, when when you are harvesting quite a lot, or let's say in a not sustainable way, and then you have to assess the, the impact of trade mm -hmm. on this population. And when scientists have the feeling that it could be, I mean, it could put such a pressure that the population would at one moment become really endangered and maybe possibly at a very uh, extreme stage disappear, I mean, uh, then you have to intervene before, and, and this is what is about the Appendix 2. Appendix 2 means that you can trade, but you have to monitor trade to be 100% okay. sure 
that the trade is not detrimental to uh, the survival of the population. And uh, at one moment, uh, there were doubts, serious doubts, about the, the, the impact of this international trade on the uh, wild, so those wild populations in Africa, because it's only in Africa. And you have to know that uh, oh, decades ago, to 20, 30 years ago, uh, because of logging, uh, the species disappeared from a whole country, which is okay. Côte d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast. And this was a very big warning. Yeah. This, I mean, we learned from the, the, this this uh, drama. I mean, and we didn't want we didn't want that it. it I mean, to replicate this this situation, and so uh, the scientists decided to bring this case to scientists, and then there's a long process. And so, as you said, so the scientists bring this case to scientists. How much are sort of local authorities or uh, national governments and uh, involved in also sort of giving their opinion on the how endangered the species is or is how sustainable the harvesting is? I mean, the efficient efficiency of bringing of of listing a species into the appendix yeah. is uh, this efficiency is much higher when it when the propo- proponent is one of the range yeah. state. But it can be that uh, for many reasons that the range state doesn't have, for instance, the skills or, or the yeah. willingness or what, whatever to, 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 to be the proponent, then an importing country can also do that. Uh, I think that all parties, all countries uh, that are in this convention can do that. But of course, if it comes from a uh, ranch state or from an importing country or both of those then it's much stronger and and at the very origin i don't remember who which party did, made how it was the proponent of this this listing but it, it was in the 90s mm-hmm. as far as i remember that it was listed so it's an old story and I guess that the, the case of Côte d'Ivoire was a really, really strong... And so that was before the 90s, the case of Côte d'Ivoire? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was okay. in the 70s, 60s. Okay. Yeah, it was a golden age of the, the logging the at lo- the time, making a lot of money and didn't care about the the forest, really. So, so yeah. when we look at the those different... Uh, c- could you take us through the different steps of the trading of, of this, of the Pericopsis elata? Elata? Maybe and just the, one thing to be yeah? quite clear, because yeah, yeah. I have to be careful. So the, the listing of Pericopsis elata wasn't decided only because of logging. Okay. It was also decided because as a... If you have a look at the haute ecology, I mean, the, yeah. the ecology of the species, yeah. uh, so it's well known that, that the, the species doesn't regenerate well Okay. Uh, in the forest where it occurs. Yeah. It is strange because, but it is because it's a, a light demanding species. Okay. And all those uh, rainforests are really closed canopies forest and you don't have that much light going to the, the understory. And then the seedlings, I mean, at one moment they die because of the, this lack of, of light and, and so on and so forth. So the, the, I mean, those, the, the fact that the species was suffering from regeneration problems yeah. was also a very strong driver. Okay. Mm. So, to be clear, yeah. not only logging, not but, only but logging. the combining of, of, I mean, logging and and, and hot ecological problems. The characteristics of yeah. this, this particular Intrinsic, tree. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, could you, could you take us through the different steps of, of um, 
uh, well, sorry. Actually, how does it work with the trade? Well, well, well question, even right? actually, sorry, before we, we mm -hmm. talk about that, could you just tell us what, what is it that we use this tree for? What, what do we uh, import it for okay. uh, internationally? Who imports it internationally? Okay, it's a yeah. timber species, definitely. So what is interesting is the wood. Yeah. And uh, uh, what is really interesting is that it's, um, I mean, the characteristics of the wood, technological characteristics, for instance, are really nice. Uh, again, the fact that you can use uh, the, this wood inside or outside, I mean, it can withstand to be um, under the rain. It doesn't mm -hmm. get rotten easily. So this is really interesting. Uh, you can have this parquet in your uh, bathroom if you have the money for that. I mean, it's okay. absolutely beautiful and it, it's just nice. It, it can withstand that. Uh -huh. This high uh, level of humidity and uh, for the decking of, of a yacht, I mean, luxury okay. yachts and things like that. So it's, it's a high value timber species for, for, I mean, for the African continent. Um, so who, who who are the main importers? The main importers yeah. are China, uh, definitely okay. today, uh, I mean, nowadays. But Europe is quite, quite a big, uh, I mean, region of importing region. And within Europe, you have Belgium, definitely. I can imagine that maybe the first country, importing country in volumes. And uh, France, uh, uh, Germany, a uh, bit Italy and Spain, I guess those okay. are the, the, the main importers. So it works well with our humidity here in, in Belgium. Yes, um, <laughs> I mean, that might be the reason, uh, historically, I'm not quite yeah. sure, but, but this, this is one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 and so could you take us through uh, the different steps of, of this trade, like who, the different actors uh, from from when it's um, felled in a, in a forest to yeah, when yeah, it yeah, gets yeah. uh, uh, to Belgium, for example? Okay, so you have really, um, all, all it's all the time the same steps that, uh, that you have to, to go through. The first one is that you have an in, you have to have an inventory in the forest. So this is the logging company uh, having this forest inventory, so as to locate uh, the individuals that may be harvested afterwards. If you do things in a sustainable way, you have to have a sustainable management of the species. Some companies have it, others not really or not seriously. But let's say most of the company hopefully do that seriously. And then you have lo located the, the, the resources where you, mm -hmm. you will, I mean, what you will harvest, right? What you will be uh, felling. And then you have to have those fellers uh, coming to the forest and going where you said you can uh, fell down this tree, uh, fell the tree, get, getting down. And um, when, the, I mean, with this uh, chainsaw, uh, I mean, felling, trees yeah and afterwards uh, you have to bring the log with a bulldozer most of the time which is a I mean bringing the log to the road okay uh, close to a road and then the the log has to be loaded on a truck then uh -huh. it goes out uh, of the forest it goes to depending if it there's a sawmill uh, if it goes to be processed, uh, it will be processed, I mean, transformed wood, it goes to the sawmill and then the sawn wood is exported or the log can be exported as well. Okay. Uh, this is a, a possibility. And you have to know that the, if, I mean, if it's a good logging company, you have a whole traceability system from the standing tree, so from the, the, the stump, I mean, uh, to the container. Okay. Uh, exporting harbor and so is this is uh um is this part of 
the the rules that are involved in in sort of protecting the species, this traceability. Like, so what what sort of restrictions and rules are are put in place when once a a tree is on the appendix two list? Uh, okay, you have to. Um... I mean, uh, the management authority and the scientific authority of the exporting country has to emit a permit, export permit. And uh, they, they can do that once they uh, could, I mean, they have evidences that this traded volume is not detrimental to the population. So, I mean, the scientists have to investigate if uh, these volumes, because when you have a volume, when you have logs, it's mm -hmm. really easy because then you see that those were individuals in the forest. But if you have sawn wood, you also have to be able to assess more or less the number of individuals that you needed to harvest to get this uh, volume of sawn wood, for instance. So you have to have transformation rates and so on and so forth. So you have you have to proceed to some computations, you have to assess, assess the sustainability, the impact of the trade, the impact of the, the logging, and if is it done with a management plan, for instance, how is the inventory done, and so on and so forth. And at one moment, you can have, for instance, a national quota, which is computed, and this is what you allow your logging companies to export mm -hmm. each year. And this is uh, sent by the exporting country. Mm -hmm. I mean, this quota, this evaluation, is sent to uh, the secretariat uh, in uh, of CITES secretariat, mm -hmm. and for approval. And then, okay, then you can proceed. And so you have to be able to compute all the volumes that you export. It's not just that you let wood going out, and you have to know exactly where it comes from, and um, how many cubic meters how many standing trees, and so on and so forth. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. Definitely. Um, is there perhaps like uh, something that you can suggest people to read or to look at if they want to hear more about, about this subject and about uh, CITES and about wood trade? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that's something which is really interesting. And if people have a look on the internet, they can find um, information dealing with that, is the history of those forests. Because... Today we are logging big trees, yeah, and uh, because it's prohibited by law to have to to I mean to log small individuals or uh, at early stages, let's say. But so we are logging big trees, but the, the species doesn't regenerate well. So how did it could be possible that those big trees became big trees if it doesn't regenerate? Mm -hmm. uh, this is a very nice story okay. to learn about, and it's. You can find this about the history of those forests and having this, um, those words, pericopsis elata, history, forest, something like that, you will okay. find really, really some interesting. It's, it's a very nice story. Good. And well, the human being is involved, but making us, um, centuries ago. Yeah. Cool. That's, that's a, a good, nice. a good thing to end on. Thank you very much, Nils, for You're your welcome. time. My Thank pleasure. you. Thank you for listening to the Africa Museum podcast. Have you heard of a fish losing their teeth as a feeding strategy? Are you wondering why that would make sense in an evolutionary context? Listen in next episode as we discuss the fish species Haplochromis relictidens with fish biologist Nathan Rankin. 
This series is brought to you by the Royal Museum for Central Africa in Belgium, which is a museum and a cross-disciplinary scientific institution with over 80 scientists from biology, earth sciences and social sciences conducting research on Africa and its heritage around the world.